the scene where she's drawing the merman is like the most relatable thing I've seen out of any Pixar movie. Hey everyone, welcome back to the District of Cinema podcast. It's uh, your host, Tristan Al, my other host, Spencer Hoover, and my other host, Olivia Kozlevkar. All right. Uh, yes, we're back for another episode, and figured that since this is uh, the first episode after spring break, we thought we would do a little catch-up of some of the movies that we watched over spring break. Um, so, first things first, will we, you want to talk about the Batman? Because only the two of us see it, but we can talk about the Batman. Yeah, we can talk about the Just Batman. Like a, what do you want to say team. about the Batman? <laughs> so, so Spencer and I saw the Batman. We're going to get hated on, because um, apparently everyone likes it. Yeah. Oh, actually, I was talking to someone else. Everyone I heard said it was okay. Really? I, I heard, yeah. like, this guy that I know said that he hated it. Um, oh, but good. He, and he, but he loves, like, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I don't like. So uh, It's not really taste. related. I, I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> They're so both I'm, movies with men in them. He also likes... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he liked licorice pizza. Oh. <laughs> that characterized him real quick. Um. Anyway... Um, yeah, the Batman. It was three hours long, so it was a bit long. Uh, we, I think we've said before that Drive My Car is that long, but I thought that the, that movie sort of earned its runtime a bit more than Batman. I feel like there is a bit too much lingering, you know, in certain places. Like just Batman just standing there being like, <gasps> okay. <laughs> yeah, and then Nirvana playing. Yeah. Um, like... Batman's like everyone is whispering to each other except for like Paul Dano as the Riddler being like QAnon Twitch streamer (laughs) Um, and that's pretty funny this is also like the first movie I haven't seen uh, Paul Dano get like absolutely just beaten to a pulp which is good for him he's making strides in his career yeah I guess so (laughs) Batman kind of let him off the hook all things considered he yeah I'd say I'd say his he turned out pretty okay. <laughs> turned out okay for the Riddler, <laughs> which is, I mean, he wasn't very threatening. So it's no, just like he wasn't. He was kind of disappointed in that. I really, <laughs> I really wish he gave out some like like a word like Wordle quizzes. Yeah, Batman solves each riddle in about five seconds. Yeah, and the and the answers are, are I think pretty funny. Like that, those are the. <laughs> like one of the clips from the trailer was like the answer is justice and it's like oh wow I mean, yeah great <laughs> so cool yeah um shout out to colin farrell though for playing yes the, colin one of the farrell best penguin iterations the, of all time colin farrell as, as like robert cgi de niro. robert de niro yeah as the penguin he's just um, playing jimmy conway but as a cartoon pretty, pretty much if jimmy conway was italian <laughs> and the penguin um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was, I thought it looked great. Uh, it does look nice. The hallway scene that, yeah, there's this, with like, the like fight. gun yeah, strobing was pretty yeah, cool. Like the only like lights or, or like light source are like these like gun flares firing off in different increments. And you see like, the, like sort of frame by frame of the fight. But well, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, a lot of cool like desktop backgrounds in that movie. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of like a lot of like animated background, like rain. Yeah, a lot <laughs> rain, of rain. rain on a windshield. <laughs> well, I, I think we've talked enough about 
Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was. We gave it its. It we was. Gave it we, its we, due. we. I. We tried. We really tried to like. Well, I tried. Maybe you didn't try so much, but I, I tried to like that movie. I um, tried to just want. I mean, I wasn't like. <laughs> I'm going to like this. But I mean, I, it looked good. I and walked then in like I was going to watch a movie. I don't know. What no, it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I, thought that it was just difficult to like by the time it ends. Yeah, it gets stale fast. It really does. Um, it tells we'll, you what it's going to do in the first 30 minutes, and then it, it does very, it for another it two and so, a half hours. It is so like anticlimactic, in my opinion. The yeah. third act is like just so boring. Um but we'll talk about another uh, brilliant Colin Farrell performance with the other movie that we watched all together, which was um, After Yang, the new film by uh, Koganada. That's his sort of pen name. <laughs> uh, his name isn't really Koganada, but he's a South, uh, South Korean-American filmmaker. Um, he's known for making uh, Columbus back in 2017 with John Cho and Haley Lou Richardson. And um, he's also done a bunch of different film essays and... and uh, these like short little video essays about filmmakers and stuff, which is which are really cool. I, I recommend you check them out. Um, yeah, so we watched that the three of us together at uh, Alamo Draft House, and what did you guys think about it? You can go. I've talked about the Batman long enough. I don't know. <laughs> I I, I want to hear you guys' thoughts. I'm a little less clear in my thoughts on this uh-huh. movie. I think it was we we came to a consensus that we all liked it. That's for yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I I guess I'll, I'll give a little bit of context uh, about the movie. After Yang is about a it's it's set in a in a probably in a, a probably kind of distant future. Yeah. Uh, where, um, androids, robots, AI exist. If we're going on timelines, it's like slightly after her probably. Uh, yeah. It is de- it's it's definitely in the the herverse, and it, it's it's probably yeah right after. <laughs> the the robot voices break free and become their own uh, humanoids. But um, well, they call them something specifically in this movie, but I can't remember oh, what it was. The, they call them so well. Oh, There's like a specific term for humans that are actually robots, and they're like they're studied by humans, which gave me the impression that they're not fully. Uh-huh. Understood by humans. Which Are they techno sapiens? Yeah, that's what it was. That's what yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Techno sapiens. And then there were clones as well. So cloning exists. Yeah, they didn't really explain a lot of these things in the film. You yeah. just kind of it's, had to like pick up. The on world them. building is very sort of ambiguous, I think. Which I liked. I, I like thought that was, too. Yeah, yeah, it has like too. almost zero. I don't know if you could say anything is exposition in that. Uh-huh. Movie. No, which yeah, or like establishing shots and stuff like like. You don't really get any landscapes except for maybe a couple. And I like that. You, and, and it's very condensed. Yes. And, and they don't really discern like any like really specific location. No. I assume it's like America, but, you know. They it, explain a lot after the fact. Like something will happen and then they'll exp- – like some character will, character will say something that will kind of explain what just happened, but not <laughs> like directly. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically the, the setup is, is that um, – Colin Farrell and Jody Turner-Smith uh, are parents with a adopted Chinese daughter, and they got a techno-sapien um, as the, uh, basically an older brother for this daughter to help her learn about her Chinese heritage. And so this, th- this android's played by Justin H. Min, and he's basically like 
a robot that's there to spew like Chinese fun facts, which I think is fun. But um, it's very clear that he represents like a part of their family. Like, um, and when he breaks down in like literally the beginning of the film, the Colin Farrell's character, I forget his name, Jake. He's like this tea yeah, master I don't too. Any of the names other he's like this total name. like weeb. He's like <laughs> 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 he like he loves tea like a little too much. I like I like tea too, but that's a um, lot of liking tea. It, like he a, he like, really is pretty religious about his tea. Yes. He was like describing how like oh yeah the tea is like you drink one sip and it's like you see the forest. Yeah. And then the the memory bank is the fo- anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, it really like is. I think I, I called it like the anti ex machina in yeah. a way, like in a way maybe like a little demand, like maybe like robots or androids have have adapted to like simply coexist with humans instead of like take over which is what ex machina kind of alludes to or at least like replace or or yeah. just be free. It's interesting um, because it's not as though the humans are able to control the techno sapiens, yeah. mm-hmm. but the techno sapiens aren't like ill willed either. Yeah, it's like every portrayal of uh, like <laughs> Android. androids gaining autonomy, they're immediately evil. Yeah, yeah. they're they're ready to <laughs> kill take everybody. over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is fair. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's also just interesting that it's, you know, the case in this movie is that people are so willing to welcome techno sapiens in their ho- into their home for, like, specific purposes that yeah. they're like, this is, you know, going to bring our family together. I also thought the weird subplot about, like, reselling techno sapiens <laughs> was, like, super bizarre they were like oh i bought mine at a knockoff establishment <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, you go like, in and you're like i'm gonna invest in like a techno sapien but i'm gonna buy mine secondhand and, and they keep at, they keep talking about like oh what you didn't get like the warranty <laughs> yeah like what i was like i'm uncomfortable now but um, but yeah i i thought this was a, a honestly a beautiful movie um there are little snippets of of sort of asian americanness and like identity mm-hmm. and um ideas about like transracial adoption um and also just parenting and and like the idea of a family too and uh, i think the best part is just the character of yang which is the android um and how he uh how like slowly the film real like through the the film jake learns that he has had actually a life beyond his family Mm -hmm. and motivations and and has felt i guess you could say like love and like has, oh, absolutely. And without yeah. r- without being like driven or like um, pushed in that direction, like he was able to do it himself, and and I think that it was truly like a, a really moving uh, moment. But um, yeah, I loved it. Good movie. <laughs> yeah, I I think there was. It was interesting because I noticed it was a movie for streaming and screen simultaneously, which yeah. I think is an interesting. It was very, very clearly made for both, which is super a territory that I feel like we're treading a lot with now. But like we have not in the past because mm-hmm. before COVID, things would go, you know, either straight to DVD or they would go well straight to DVD, straight to Netflix. You know what I'm saying? But or they would go straight to screen and then eventually get there, which I think we're witnessing this kind of birth of people realizing they can do both. Right. And I think this was a fast paced movie, which is something you get more from, you know, streaming platforms, but, you know, one that covered 
ground in terms of cinematography, in terms of topic, in terms of, you know, that I feel like is more what I'm used to seeing on screen from A24 from whatever. And I think that that was for me like really interesting and I thought it was really cool what they were able to do with this movie from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to talk about distribution later with the other film that we were going to discuss, but um, yeah, the idea that like it's both on Showtime, I think, and yeah. in mm-hmm. and, and, and and in theaters, but the theaters is, are pretty like it's a pretty li- limited release, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. Like Alamo Draft House is in uh, Bryant Street, which is like Rhode Island Avenue, like north of here, yeah. So or maybe not north of east, Tennessee, but east, yeah. So e- <laughs> northeast DC, like so yeah. it's a bit far for some people who live in DC um, to get there. Um, but yeah, I I don't know, I I think that. Like A twenty four specifically, um, the way that they distribute their films sometimes it depends on like their marketing. Right. Like I think Green Knight was definitely marketed differently than this. Film, I didn't see so. any marketing for After Yang. I didn't yeah. know about it until you guys took me to it. So, mm. um, yeah, but I, I think the big pull for this film is that it performed really well, or at least it was hailed as one of the better films from like the different indie mm-hmm. circuits like uh, mm-hmm. Sundance and, and all that stuff um, and I can see why it's a great yeah. movie. it's a great movie um, a lot of really really going back to the script a lot of really really well written scenes in there yeah. that I feel like can stand by themselves as like kind of works of art not even that dense really either. no I was expecting it to be a little bit dense but uh, and a bit on the nose but it, it was able to overcome that I think I think a really great tool is having a child be the protagonist yeah. uh, because she was able to ask questions and investigate the world around her that we had because we were also confused as people who were not used to this world without it feeling like exposition or she was able to explore things as a child would without us being like that was very direct or that was whatever like you know she's a child she's trying to figure right. things out mm-hmm. and I think that that really helped um just generally build the plot, which was nice. Right. I I think I, I want to bring up one more thing about the movie, and then we can move on. Uh, there is a tool that the film uses, I think twice. Uh, one, once during Jake and a flashback scene between Jake and uh, Yang, and they talk about tea and stuff and the appreciation of tea, and mm. then another one with. Uh, with Jake's wife's character, I forget her name now, and Yang talking about um, happiness, I think. Yeah. And in those scenes, the dialogue, like, uh, performed by the actors are performed twice. I think every line is pretty much performed twice from different angles, too, like shot mm. in different angles. I I want to know what... I've heard, I've heard, like, ideas about what, what this could mean. Uh, I want to know what you guys think that, that means. Like, the straight-up repetition of dialogue. My, like, literature brain wants me to go in the direction of, like, when we have memories and we collect memories, it takes a bit more of our memory to do so because, obviously, we don't remember everything that ever happened to us. Uh, That would kind of take up too much room. So my instinct is that it indicates uh, something that has meant so much to us, which in Yang's case, it's very clear because he can only save so much. Right. Um, But it's something that, for us... 
you know, you remember and you have to kind of double process it. Also, the two characters in both of that scenes have different interpretations of what happens and different views of what happened. Mm. And I think seeing from both of their angles, the lines, the placement of the other person in the scene, you know, I think that that could also be. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. think that that's what I think too. So he thinks also. Well. I agree. Um, I think that's also paralleled in the use of like Jake is looking into those glasses that he has, where yeah. he's seeing the things Yang has remembered, and he sees like the things that stood out most to Yang are played twice by Jake, like when right, he's right. at the club with his love interest. Right, and, and he like replays the glaze. Like, <laughs> he's yeah. like, "Whoa, interesting. Who's that?" <laughs> There's, it's just like these. What's her name? There's these random scenes of just Colin Farrell just like sitting on a couch with these funky glasses. I on. will say, <laughs> when the it. girl girl first got introduced, I was like, I don't know where this is going. Like I was a mm. little concerned, and because he was wearing the shirt of the girl in the background, not yeah, her, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. that there was some like 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 a uh, cheating that went on there. I was like, ooh, okay. And then that was like not drama. the plot. Yeah, I was like so ready for it to be like, he cheated on her. And then it was like, no, no that was did not happen. <laughs> no, I was malfunctioning. I swear, I thought I, I thought it was you. <laughs> My internal process was like, I was so confused. But there, that's just like little things that I was just like, oh goodness, what just happened? But yeah, I mean, that that yeah that memory particularly just confused me but that was my fault uh, <laughs> poor yeah, realization the, the, i think the, the, there's like a jake constantly goes through like the play like playback plays back the like memory uh yang's memories where it, it what was the giving it was like he can only remember like three seconds of like each day every, or day, yeah. every yeah. day so like the most important moment three game? seconds of every day are recorded and it's Oh, it's it's so cool. It's ba- it's literally like Soviet montage, but cooler. Well, it's essentially Soviet montage, but the yeah. shots of uh, the girl like running around the tree to like in the their backyard or whatever. That's when I like almost started crying. I cried. Like watching her grow up was yeah, just I, really. I yeah. cried. Um, definitely. <laughs> it was like thirty minutes into. I was like, okay, please. <laughs> Why? No, stop. <laughs> like the last time I cried in a theater was what? Yee yee. Yeah. And that was like right at the end of that three hour movie. So I was like, that's okay, that's fine. Like the movie's over. But this one was like thirty minutes in, I was like, where do I go? I'm already destroyed. Um, but thankfully it wasn't as uh as bad to like process after that. Uh we can move on and talk about the final film that we uh three of us watched <clears> for <throat> this uh for like what? It, I, it was also released, I think, a week or two ago. Very controversial for some reason that I can't understand. <laughs> yeah. Extremely controversial movie. You know we're talking about Pixar's Turning Red. <laughs> I don't know why I've seen so much like controversial discourse about it on like Twitter. I think it was because people are just rating it really weirdly on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and people were posting them on Twitter because they were like, what does this even mean? I, I'll, but, I'll, I'll pull up the, um, the thing that we're talking about, specifically about controversy. So, um... Av- not av- Shelby sent it to you? <laughs> no, she sent me a M- the NPR article. Oh, okay. Um, which I read. Because I sent you some tweets, I think, about it yeah. that I saw. So, I think it had to do with the same guy. But anyway, so um, back in 2018, I think, when mm-hmm. Incredibles 2 came out, uh, there was a short that was played before it. Um, it's a very cute short about a dumpling that came alive. That it one was, was called, so cute. It was called Bao. 
Uh, that was directed by Domi Shi, a Chinese-Canadian um, animator and filmmaker at Pixar. And this is her feature film debut. Um, oh, I didn't realize it was... Oh, my God. Same, That's yeah, so hers, exciting. Yeah. So Turning Red is is the first um, female director for, uh, for, like, directed film by Pixar. Can you hear You're that? kidding. Yeah. Wow. I don't... I think it's also the first... That, like, like makes so much well, sense, though. It, it's also <laughs> automatically the first woman of color director. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it may also be the first person of color director. I'm not sure. I, I have to check that. But um, it's a big milestone. Um, turning red, and it's about a Chinese Canadian, the uh, thirteen-year-old battling a sort of. In <laughs> uh, my my favorite um, film critic Justin Chang mentioned this as a, a Kafka-esque metamorphosis-style twist, where um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> soulless Pixar, and that was oh, Ken Powers. Oh, never mind. Okay. Um, but <laughs> a, a, a metamorphosis-esque transformation where um, Mei Lin Lee, um, a Chinese-Canadian teen, uh, randomly turns into a giant red panda because of her, when she feels, I think, like, out, like very strong Strong emotions. emotion, yeah. Um, so she has to deal with, like, that transformation and, and she... <laughs> <laughs> she deals with it in different ways and also with familial expectation and obligation, um, including her parents, which is her mom, which is played by the incredible Sandra Oh. Um, so, yeah, this is a good movie, in my opinion. It was so good. I loved it. It was very cute. It was so... I loved... I A lot of the hate I saw online was like so randomly spread across the boards but a lot of it was about like introduction of menstruation into pixar people yeah. were like kids are too young to know about that and i was like no they're going through it because especially like i don't think this is talking about enough that like eight-year-old nine-year-old ten-year-old girls sometimes get their period mm. like it happens and like they need to be prepared right also it's going to happen like if you have a uterus <laughs> like it's gonna happen one day probably so like the that was really weird to me and also the obsession with the boy band people were really like that like no like that's unusual to be that obsessed with the boy well, band i was like have you met a young teenage girl and, that and, through one and, direction like i don't really and know it's, what to it's tell also you. worth noting that this is set in like 2002 so right like I mean, what like you don't have anything else era, to what, like, <laughs> over, you know like, yeah i mean youtube you, hasn't been created you got yet, the, like. you got the cds like but i was like i was like that's such a weird thing to take a grudge with that like yeah you know i think we've seen the era of every rise and fall of every boy band ever and the amount of teen girls that follow them like the beatles like like i feel like i could bring up every point in history when this has happened so i was like that was of course they had to include that if they wanted to make some authentic like i feel like that just with the time period with that it just makes yeah. sense you know the songs were also written actually by they, they they made like what like a couple of a couple of these boy One band of them songs is stuck in my head i like can't get it out it's like you're my buddy like i can't stop thinking about it they're they're written um, by they're written by billy eilish and her brother they did great i uh, they're stuck in my head which so is, which is crazy um but we were phineas you did <laughs> yes, good phineas yeah and, and Ferg. um we I wanted to bring up Turning Red because one, I, I really liked it. Um, Spencer, I, I I took the you liked it. As yeah, well. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was a very solid Pixar. One of my favorites, on it. Like I think I still rate Coco above it. 
but I loved I, I honestly this is one of my new favorite Pixar movies I'm a big fan of animation so um, yeah but we want, I wanted to bring this up personally because um, the controversy that I, that, that I read about mm-hmm. um, was from a review posted online uh, on a website called Cinema Blend um, it's by this guy great named name. <laughs> yeah great name uh, it's by this guy named uh, Sean O'Connell and he wrote that he uh, couldn't connect with the film, calling it limiting. So basically, he's arguing that like the, that Pixar is becoming too niche. <laughs> um, he said, <clears throat> by rooting Turning Red very specifically in the Asian community of Toronto, the film <laughs> legitimately feels like it was made for Domishi's friends and immediate family members, which is fine, but also a tad limiting in its scope. So, Sean O'Connell sounds like he knows a lot about um, Asian um, Asian communities. Yeah, no, yeah. he really. <laughs> the internet, the internet ripped him apart. By the way, yeah, this was like very... they they deleted his. Uh, I think the the editor in chief of the cine, of Cinema Blend, Cinema Blend. <laughs> of Cinema Blend um, uh, took down the review, and they're like they've assigned another person to write the review now. Uh, oh God. Um, but and and this guy's like apologized and and everything. Um, but he he was, <laughs> I can't say that he was absolutely demolished and pummeled to the ground uh, by the internet and by Twitter. Um, and and I think the... I don't know. There's like the... the We, we the, three, the three of us, we, we, we review movies and we, we critique movies a lot. And there's something said about the sort of inherent biases that, that come to critiquing movies and, and what stories that we're expecting to see and representation that we want to see. Um, and I think that like if there's representation sometimes that really goes outside of maybe the status quo of white male, like cis white male, like supremacy, <laughs> then people get scared. Yeah. <laughs> like what's the fear? Like what's the, like what's the harm in showing like a Chinese Canadian's life in great detail? Um, like how should that be threatening to anyone? Like, I feel like O'Connell feels a bit, like, he's like, well, this is so outside of my own experience that I didn't enjoy the film. I have a question for him, though. Like, a very serious question. Was, like, Finding Nemo more, like, (laughs) did he relate more to, like, the the under-the-sea creatures? Like, was that not limiting to him? Like, the fact that they were fish? Or, like, cars? Was or that like, not limiting or, to him? Or like, like a, a bug's life. <laughs> like, how did those like, ones stick better with yeah. this man? Or like huh. Toy Story. <laughs> He's like, I want to see his Toy Story review. I need to know now. Oh, my goodness. And, and I don't know. I, I, I feel like that I, I wanted to talk about this episode about, like, specifically, I think both After Yang and, and Turning Red represent sort of a, a really prominent, like, rise in, in AAPI filmmaking mm-hmm. um, that's happening um, not just right now but it's been happening for a while um, and, and we've talked about it a bit before and it's still happening there's a new film coming out um, this I think either this month end of this month or early next month which is um, Everything Everywhere All at Once Yes, which is by it's another A24 movie they're, they're killing it and uh it's by Daniels, who did Swiss Army Man. They're known for doing some some pretty crazy stuff, um, and it's basically a, <laughs> I it's a it's a Michelle Yeoh multiverse movie, um, which is, it's like yeah, 
that's really all I could really explain, like describe mm-hmm. it as. And it, it looks amazing. It looks and and I've been reading like short reviews or short reactions to it premiered in South by Southwest a couple weeks ago, and it is everyone is loving it. Like they're saying that this is one of the like the best films of like recent times. So I, I just think it's it's incredible that um, AIPF filmmaking is has come this far. Mm-hmm. Especially when like it it's been happening for a really long time, like directors like Wayne Wang, uh, who I think he did um, Joy Luck Club and other independent films by himself. Um, it's been happening for a while, but like I don't know, it, it's now that it's more mainstream. Suddenly, these critics are like, "Oh, I don't like it." I uh, think it's limiting to say to yourself that a movie that might have people like that you know don't look like you is somehow going to have no messages in it that you right. can take away right like i i just don't let's let's don't the, let's test the theory that. right now spencer did you did you take anything away from turning red from turning red <laughs> the scene where she's drawing the merman <laughs> is like the most relatable thing i've seen out of any pixar movie that i've ever watched <laughs> when she's like <laughs> Did you draw fan fiction? No. <laughs> I knew people like that. Oh, you knew people. Okay, no, that's not. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that does happen. Okay. To other people. Uh-huh. I not Sean O'Connell. Specific. Oh, no. He's perfect. Um. <laughs> um. Man, where'd I go? Yeah, so, so honestly, so, I related see, hardest to Jin, if I'm being honest, <laughs> yeah, because no. he's constantly silenced, but has <laughs> has a uh, you know he has good takes. My, uh, I was watching this movie with my girlfriend, and like Jin is the, is the father character to Balin, and he's like the he's like the one who's like staying at home, cooking dinner for everyone, and my girlfriend that's was like, "That's that's you, Tristan." That's both of you. It's both, <laughs> both of us. Yeah. I'm doing that tonight. You are. You are cooking dinner. I will say though. I mean, I know that there are cultural specificities to the like familial relationships in Turning Red too, but I think there is something so nice about seeing like a mother-daughter relationship that is complicated and yeah. complex, and yeah. they don't always agree, and the daughter take like I know there's lines of generational trauma in there that have to do with you know this thing with the panda and the way it relates to their family and also that the way the daughter fights that and like doesn't you know doesn't understand it in the same way as her mother and I think they get to an interesting conclusion where they still don't understand it in the same way yes. but they both like live with it absolutely and I think that that's beautiful like yeah. I think that that's really I, touching I, I think like the how that's yeah the, the, that conflict is resolved is in a is in a form of such like nuance mm-hmm. and yes. maturity that I think really is a big step for Pixar. Yeah. Like I, I think that to understand that, like it takes a bit more than just like, oh, we did the right thing. Yeah, no. You know? Uh there is a nuance there. And, and I think that's a that's really cool. That's yeah. really cool for Pixar to do that. Like it, I think this is a big step in in their films. Um it shows a, it definitely shows a, a a new or maybe a a new form of maturity. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I like that. 
I don't know how you could find this film limiting, honestly. Like, it's very culturally specific, but it's so universal, too. Like, it has the perfect amount of... Like, this word has a bad connotation to it, but it has, like, the perfect amount of cliché. Because if there was... <laughs> if, like... She is a Tamagotchi! Yeah, clichés yes. are not based on nothing. Like, there is some truth to them, but this movie, like, rides that line where there's, like, enough of it. Like, yeah. all those girls screaming at the concert. Like, that's a, you know, that's oh. kind of a cliché thing. And the scene I brought up to you where, like, their parents responded differently to them asking to go to the concert. Yeah. Yes. Like, mine said I have to pay for it. Mine said I can't go. <laughs> My, like, I thought that that was so interesting yeah. and, like, well done. And Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> But yeah, I don't know. I I I I, I, I like this film a lot. I think we all did. Um, so yay for AIPI filmmaking. I, I think it's really important to talk about uh, these kind of uh, controversies and issues and, mm-hmm. and 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 the reaction you get from these kind of movies because I I don't know. It, it's I I, I don't want to like make it totally bleak, but last week was like the anniversary of or the uh, since the Atlanta spa shootings mm-hmm. and. For, like, to me, as a movie consumer and, like, avid, like, news listener, like, listening, like, watching Turning Red and being so excited about, like, who I am as a person. They speak Cantonese in this movie, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's and it's just, like, there, like, as, like, a, as, like, ambient, no, like, like, to, like, create the world. It's not, like, a narrative tool. Uh, that's, like, really cool. I, I, I know Cantonese. Like, seeing a movie that like makes me feel so proud about myself and then reading news that like people don't like this movie and then reading more news about like tragic events that happen to people like me or even just look like me it sucks it's it's very hard um it, it kind of ruins your day sometimes reading a review like that um and and I, and I think it's important to remember that like like criticism has effects on, on people like mm-hmm. you as a critic I think have a a like obligation to to be fair like to be fair mm-hmm. maybe it's not a great movie you don't like the movie sure but to critique it on a level that it disagrees with y- the world that you are accustomed to and you are unaf- and you are afraid to accept that that's I think where I draw the line um yeah but um I don't want to get too serious, <laughs> but I just thought that all these events were like coinciding one after the other, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the release of this movie, we watched After Yang, and then, um, yeah, just being reminded again about about that that tragic event, and and just the in general like Asian Americans continuing to be um, the victims of hate crimes mm-hmm. because of COVID, because of scapegoating, uh, being scapegoated, so. Yeah, I, I, it's. I, I think it's important to. That it's that's why it's important to tell these stories. It's important yeah. to be, to make like, people like me like feel, more nor like more normal. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be like we don't have to be treated as like a niche, like cultural. Wow, look at this. Yeah. L- look at this cool little cultural world. No, like we we just want to be treated as as human beings. Kind of like gang who is an android but still is very human um, in that sense. I think that's going to end my t- <laughs> No, I was going to I was just going to add on to that. I think 
limiting yourself to what movies you watch because they represent you or they don't, I think, is sad because I think art is the place where we start empathizing with each other and we start understanding things we can't actually live ourselves. Right. Um, and I think cutting yourself off early because you know, like this critic with Turning Red, you're like, well, I'm not a 13-year-old girl in, you know, Chinatown in Toronto. Well, okay, I'm sorry, but there are things you can still learn about the people around you from this movie. And to tell yourself that that's not true is just, you know, you're never going to be happy in life. And I'm I'm sorry that you, you, you know, can't understand that, but it's just, <clears throat> you know, it's why we have art. That's true. That's why we have art. That's why I'm very glad that that there are so many films coming out, uh, both recently and, the, and this year, about um, AAPI stories. Um, so, yes, that's good. <laughs> I think we'll end this episode here. Thank you very much for listening. Um, this, this, uh, this has been fun. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we watched a lot of great movies this week, and we're glad that we could talk, to them, uh, talk about them with you. So, yeah. Um, catch you next time. It's been District of Cinema. On the blog. See ya.